Look, it's a flood. It's a flood. It's flooding. Get away. Quick, we need to get to higher ground. Open the floodgates. Clippers going so high, coming through the clutch like Kawhi. That was all Gambino, though. I can't even take credit for that. Well, that one was me. (laughs) Uh, That's me. Good lord, good lord. Ooh, more videos on the way, guys. I promise you. Now that I am back in my house. Yes. Here we are. Green screen. Margaritas. We're gonna need everybody's help to get those YouTube views rising up and crashing through. This is Doc and Ziggy with the flood. Did you intentionally point at the camera at the same time as me, or did we just do that because we're in like we're sync? in that level of sync? Anyway, keep your death threats to 140 characters or less. This is the show where we take pop perspective, put culture in context, and make the mainstream make sense. So you You guys can understand what the youth are going on about. Yeah, if it's happening, we already covered it, (laughs) and you're gonna be hearing it two weeks late. Is it two weeks late? It depends on... If it's at, like, at the beginning of the week, yeah, it's, like, yeah. two weeks late. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, that's fair. <laughs> that's fair. But, I mean, look, life comes at you fast. It takes a lot of time to catch up on some of the things that happen in a day. Yeah. So... Twitter feeds keep rolling, rolling, rolling. Using us to get caught up for everything that's happened in the last two weeks. We try to catch the stuff that's not only... Big boom relevant, but also some stuff that goes underneath of the. I uh, mean, if you were following us the, on the Instagrams and the Twitters and stuff, then you would get the day to day. You get sloppy celebrity gossip and talking about the scientific significance of the missing link being discovered in the human genome. What do we got to talk about this week? Well, there's a lot of cool media stuff coming up. Cool media stuff. Yeah, cool media <laughs> stuff. We watched a couple of the new things going on. Joey Chestnut continues to be absolutely disgusting at a historic rate. Oh my goodness. Competition? Yeah. <laughs> we also have Trump getting indicted. Uh, I'm really mad that uh, Team USA lost to Nigeria. Who? who J. Cole was not playing on that team. You knew what I was going to say. I was going to... Who was playing? Never mind. We'll get into who was playing on Team America. Did you hear Subway is 
doing a menu change up. Biggest Is that to include Jason up? Tatum's sub? <laughs> Biggest menu change up in their history, as a matter of fact. Uh, we're going to be looking at some Market Watch data. The city with the wealthiest amount of residents resides right here in the home of the United States. I thought you were going to say Maryland. No, no, not in Maryland. Our home of the United States. Virgin Galactic made that space flight today. I tuned in on that. Are we getting less creative? According to an Inked Magazine article, scientists think so, but they also think they know how we can fix it. Yeah, I, I got some things to say about that. And quite a bit more. So what do you want to get, what do you, where do you want to start? Let's start on this media roundup. What to watch, what's hot, what's not, I don't know. We're workshopping that segment. What's hot? What's too hot to handle? <laughs> what is too hot to handle? So let's start there. Too hot to handle is a game show that the contestants didn't know they were competing on. Right. They thought it's literally just a bunch of man sluts and sluts. Like, what, admittedly so. What did they call it? Uh, they, they told them the show that they were auditioning for was Parties in Paradise. Or yeah, something. like something like Parties in Paradise. They literally thought they were going to be on a party show. Yeah. Like, I guess some Jersey Shore type shit, maybe. Yeah, pretty much. Know. So, then, after 12 hours of these, the sexual tension boiling over, and then, you know, how much of that show, the 45 minutes of the first episode, was just pictures of, like, ass and abs and... Yo, okay, so the whole show was one entire, like, Instagram thirst trap post, yes. right? Like, it totally... One of them said that that's what they did on TikTok, right? Wasn't it Peter yeah, or whatever said, the dude was? Peter, fuck Peter. That said he was a thirst trapper on TikTok, son. That is literally what... I mean, most of the girls on there were models. Emily also said I'm like a set of open legs. So everybody on the show is looking to get laid, and there's no shame in that, right? Like, they're young, they're in their 20s or whatever. A lot now, of all of this is going let, well. Let them do until what they Until... Fascist Alexa Cockblock shows up. Lana, the cone. All right, so keep keep explaining, cause okay, so they are notes. like, we have a we have a special guest here. They're all like, oh my god, is it gonna be like Beyonce? And this little the compartment opens up, and it's it looks like a lava lamp air freshener, and it's like, hi, I'm Lana. You're all competing for a hundred thousand dollars. That's cool, right? But you can't have sex. You can't make out, you can't touch, you can't even masturbate. For three whole ass weeks. And there's ten of them and five beds in the same room. <laughs> it's like the most twisted hostel of no. Actually, if you've seen hostel, then you've seen the most twisted hostel. They were trying but... to the the uh, the fascist lava lamp. We are here to try to help you learn to build meaningful relationships because every relationship you have is superficial. Right. And whereas I'm not here to argue against the understanding and the need for building meaningful relationships, right? It's hilarious they just have a cock-blocking Alexa. I'm, what is the point of the cone, right? Like, if we have the host, right, what was the host? Yeah, who the fuck is the narrator? So we already, we discussed Yes, yeah, all right, her. so her name is Desiree Birch, and she's a right. stand-up comedian. Yes. But, like, what is she there for? 
Why is she there? Why do we have a narrator and a host if we if we have a narrator? I don't understand that, right? Like, and I like Desiree, right? Like, why do we need Lana if we have Desiree? Just make Desiree. Desiree's like, there for all of the cringe jokes and, and just making the obvious thoughts obvious. I, yeah, I don't. Okay, so aside from that, right, the show is total trash TV. It is. It's, to quote you, it is reality TV rebooted. Yes. And it is... Brought to you by Netflix. It is Christopher Nolan's reality TV. I, okay, so when I said that, I meant that it was Netflix pushing like, mid-2000s, like, you know, late... I thought you were just saying that it's... It is the most just fully accepted the reality TV. Like, this is what people really want. Okay, so that is why I later changed it to Michael Bay, right? Like, this is Michael Bay's reality. This is, this is Michael Bay's reality TV. Because reality. it is fully self-aware to the point where I almost think, now, after watching the first episode, do you think the show is scripted, right? Because I kind of feel like it's a bit scripted. It's a, it's a bit scripted. But, I Some mean, you put, you put those five, or those ten, that look right. like that in the same room with five beds just under those regular... If the show had been what they really thought it was going to be, then I would have seen it going that exact way, right? Like, if they really thought that they were going to be on a show called Parties in Paradise. Now... There were some of them who, as soon as Lana came out, they were like, oh man, is this too hard to handle? And I'm like, I didn't even know this show was the thing beforehand. I had no idea. This is the second season of yeah. the show, by the way. These 20-somethings could have potentially known that this was a show beforehand. All right, the dude I'm rooting for, I'm all for Cam, man. He's the one that's a nerd. They were like, he's like, yeah, I'm a nerd. Uses the lightsaber, did a, a golem impression. But I, I Yo, made you pause golem. the TV. I made you pause the TV because I was like, you see that tattoo on his ribs? It is puppet hands attached to a D20. Okay. That's a nerd. Okay. So, you know, obviously, I'm rooting for Marvin, right? Like, yeah, I mean, <laughs> come on. Like, Marvin is Mr. Steel Yo Go. You were like, this Chadwick Boseman. As soon as Marvin walked up, all the other dudes were like, oh man, come the fuck on. <laughs> right? And this nigga French, and he's smooth as shit. Like, yeah. Yeah, and then he walks up into the group, and he immediately goes to the other racially ambiguous guy to talk to. Oh, Chase? Yeah. No, Chase is pretty funny, too, though. Yeah, Chase is funny. He's the he's the, the, the CFL right. football player. Right, yeah. Yeah. And what was the team he played for? The Houston somethings or other? Like, the, I can't. Well, it's a Canadian football league. Right, right. So. Called the Houston. Oh, God, what was the Houston Rockets or something? No. That's yeah, he plays for the Houston Rockets. It's right, right. Anyway, it's ten of them, five girls, five guys. Yeah. Uh, Marvin and Melinda, or no, Marvin and Melinda are the only two black yeah. people. Marvin and Melinda are the only two black people, and of course although, Melinda's like, mm, Marvin, cause. Although, Chase is... Biracial. Racially ambiguous. Yeah, he's 
he's definitely biracial. Yeah. So, I don't know. If you're looking for good, like, what did you say? This is the ultimate Netflix and chill show. Yes, this yeah. is the ultimate totally, Netflix and chill show. Totally the ultimate Netflix and chill show. It's designed to be Netflix and chill. It's like, full of sexual tension to the fucking gills. Right, and like if you know if that's the mood you try to create, then you know maybe pop this on as long as your significant other isn't self-conscious. In and then any you way, do something like, oh, and... let's try to play by these rules. Ha 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 ha. Yeah, yeah. As long as your significant other is not self-conscious by any way, shape, or form, because everybody in the show, like I said, is some type of Instagram influencer, TikTok thirst trapper. I mean, like we said, Peter literally said. He's a thirst trap. I thirst trap and dance on TikTok. Uh, another show that I watched this week on Netflix that was trending was This Is Pop. It's like Netflix's answer to VH1's Behind the Music. Okay. So I actually, I did see this. Yeah. So the episode I watched was the first episode, and it was about boys to men and how they broke through the, you know, uh, racial barriers to become, like, a global pop phenomenon. Yep. Kind of. It really giving them the credit they deserve as being, like, the One Direction or the BTS of their day. Yeah. Like, before boys to men, you had, like, I guess, new kids on the block. Instinct Backstreet Boys came no. later. Yeah, they came later. They were direct, like, carbon copies of the Boys to Men aesthetic. They literally showed in the document, the docu-series, they show a poster that I, I don't know was some kind of mock-up that said, New Kids on the Block look, Boys to Men sound. Right? Like, that was the aesthetic they were going for when they started putting together the 98 Degreeses and the Backstreet Boyses and the Insinks. I'm tearing my heart no. when I'm no. with you. No. I enjoyed that one a bit more, <laughs> a decent amount more than I enjoyed. Uh, too hot to handle. Although, like I, I said, too I'm not gonna lie. I thoroughly enjoyed too hot to handle. <laughs> I felt bad. I'm disgusted. I felt bad about yeah, it. I'm really. It was like fast food, right? Yeah. Like that's how reality TV is. It's like fast food. You. It's great when it's happening, but afterwards you're like, wow, I can't believe I just watched them get paid to get drunk and fight each other <laughs> or try not to fuck each other. <laughs> we literally sat here and just got drunk watching them try not to fuck each other. And it was a great time. It was pretty hilarious. You know what else is pretty hilarious? Season 2 of I Think You Should Leave the Tim Robbins Show came out. Yeah, you were telling me about this. It's um, like, you said it was like the peak in cringe humor. Yo, it is literally peak cringe humor. So like, I, I tweeted that this show makes me so uncomfortable, right? Like, the entire, the entire show is a what-the-fuck like, if you haven't seen it, and that's your kind of bag, like, if you like the Eric Andre, the Tim and Eric kind of shit, like, the Curb Your Enthusiasm, yeah. then you will love Tim Robbins. Oh, and this, I think you should leave shit. They had a sketch on there where it was, like, some kind of, like, corporate theme after work party, and they had, like, all these special guests performing mm -hmm. and stuff like that. Well, I mean, um, all of these types of shows stem from the uh, the old HBO show with Gary Shandling. Yes, the Larry Sanders, Sanders show. show. Yes, yes, the Larry Sanders show. I have not seen the Larry Sanders show. 
It's that's gonna be great. Have you ever audio. seen? Have you ever seen those? Uh, oh my god! The the YouTube Pete Holmes, Pete Holmes like you Pete Holmes doing the uh, Street Fighter job interview videos. I don't know if I've seen those. Oh, it's great. He has like a bunch of comedians dressed up as Street Fighter characters trying to get a job at and Pete Holmes is just interviewing them. My favorite is Joel McHale as Guile. Yo, Joel McHale is fucking. Yeah, and, and he he has he has the the ripped off shirt jeans and then the crazy hair and he's like, so it says you're a veteran. What what war? He's like, yeah, I went to war. And he's like, what exactly? What what war? The war. I see you have uh, American flag tattoos on both arms. He's like, yeah, I do. America. <laughs> it's just great. Uh, Loki. So Loki has one more episode to go. Oh, damn. Yeah. Oh, ready? Yeah. I feel like this shit just came out. They're just doing like these six episodes. Like, oh, so it was a six episode arc. Yeah. How many, was that how many? No, WandaVision was like a full like. It was six nine. episodes. It was six? I yeah. thought it was like nine. WandaVision, okay. Captain Falcon Soldier, Dizzy Winter Chan was six. Six. And this six, one. Six, six, six. Did. You see it, you see it, y'all see it. I ain't gonna Mafia. tell you. Disney. Evil. Face, face, face. Mafia. Anyway, so the. Uh, uh, spoiler alert, anybody. Uh, so, 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 two weeks out, spoiler alert. Well, I'm gonna but, just give like a breakdown of what's. Well, I mean, yeah, there's Because you haven't actually seen it. Right, no, I haven't watched it at all, and there's only one episode left, so, I mean, yeah. So, the thing, the basic premise is there's actually multiple timelines, right? Right. And Loki from the first Avengers, when he takes, when he zooms out with the Tesseract, it wasn't supposed to happen. So there's this agency called the TVA. Okay. The Time Variance Authority. Right. That goes in anything that doesn't go according to the plan. They go and correct it. They have to, okay. So they went to this Loki, because he wasn't supposed to escape, and then they bring him back. And the TVA is like a mix of the DMV and Nazi Germany. Oh. Oh, so more fascism. That's yes. That's tight. That's tight. So, like, they have these things called, <laughs> you, you prune people, and it's like getting hit with a cattle prod, and then you just evaporate. And if you, like, don't... So if so you don't do like the paperwork or right or something, they'll evaporate. They'll prune you. That's what they call it. Shit. Shit. So, mad, like, final solution type shit. No, maybe not final solution. It, it, it feels like... I don't know if eugenics is the right word. It's not. No. Getting rid of the bad apple? I don't know. Anyway. So, let it roll. Let it roll. You find out that there are all of these other timelines. Right. And... Loki is given a chance to work with the TVA's agent Mobius, played by Owen Wilson. Okay. So, I think this might be Owen Wilson's best performance. Really? Yeah. Hmm. Okay. The exchanges with Tom Hiddleston and him are, are like, Pulp Fiction level of dialogue. For some reason, I don't know if we were, like, uh, like mentally sending signals to each other just now, but I was thinking Tarantino as every time I think but that's personally just me though, right? Like every time I think about great dialogue, I think a Tarantino flick 
and then I have to remind myself that people don't talk like that, and that's why normal conversations are boring, but that's besides the point. No, this one was great. It was actually, it reminds me more of Professor Xavier and Magneto playing chess. Ah, uh, okay, okay. It feels much more like that. Uh, it so, also, also kind of like with the poker mentality, where he, where uh, Owen Wilson's just like, ah, you almost got me there. All right, let's go do this thing that doesn't get Loki to sabotage us all. But there's all these different timelines, and Owen Wilson needs Loki's help to catch a variant, which is another version of Loki. Okay. So then you find so, out there are all of these different Lokis right. that turn into variants. So this is giving me mad Rick and Morty vibes, right? Like, yeah. this is the whole, like, yeah, kind thing of. that's going on. Yep, there's a bunch of Ricks! Except for this time they're hunting down, they're using a Rick to hunt down a Rick, which I feel like Rick and Morty has done. So what you're telling me is, is that... This is this, where it gets really, really fucked up. Right. So there's a female Loki. She said, don't call me Loki. She says, call me Sylvie. But she's dressed exactly like Loki, and, and so... So does she look like Tom Hiddleston? No, none of the Lokis look like Tom Hiddleston. One of the Lokis okay. is an alligator. Dude, this is fucking me up, because I literally just started watching Rick and Morty again last night, right? Like, Yeah, one of the Lokis is a black guy, one of the Lokis is an old dude, okay. one of the Lokis is a kid who killed Thor, one of them's an alligator. So do you remember the episode of Rick and Morty where... Morty gets a hold of the death crystal and Rick has to constantly like reincarnate into different versions of himself throughout different universes. That reminds me of the movie The Prestige. Why does that remind you of The Prestige? Because The Prestige, the end of the movie... Yes, one of them was actually cloning themselves and yes. the other one had like... Every single time point. he did the trick, he drowned him and then the yeah. clone took his place. Right, right. So, but that's not the. Rick was like reincarnating in all these different fascist like uh, existences, <laughs> and he kept dying because he wouldn't submit to fascism. Um, so very poignant. I think that was the second episode of the fourth season, right? So that's where I'm at with that. Just in case we wanted to know. But my whole fucking point here <laughs> is, it's very reminiscent. It's like Disney took that episode and was like okay so what if we made that a whole series <laughs> so the female Which also reminds me of that show where oh god what the fuck was it called okay so it was a really old show where this dude was like time jumping through um, or, yeah, he was, like, time-jumping through existence so he could get back to his body. Do you remember what... Oh, God, what the fuck was this show called? Holy shit. The thing that makes this really, really weird, it almost explains Loki's character, is our Loki, Tom Hiddleston Loki, and Sylvie end up catching feelings for each other. So Loki fell in love... With a different version With a of different him. version of himself. Which is very Loki. It's very high-key Loki. Yes. Yes. I will definitely agree. I'm... But the TVA uh, turns out to be 
basically run by a bunch of androids and nobody actually now knows who runs the TVA or why, and that's something we're gonna find out in the last episode. One of the running theories is it's actually gonna introduce Kang the Conqueror. Ah, so Justin Majors will finally get his uh, debut as Kang. So, that's very Jonathan cool. Majors, damn. So Jonathan Majors will def finally get his debut as Kang the Conqueror then in via the Loki universe. Loki Universi. Either way. I mean, Enter the Spider-Verse is gonna fuck all this up too. Quantum Leap is the show I was talking about. So, do you remember Quantum Leap? No. No. Apparently neither do you. No, I remembered Quantum Leap, I just couldn't remember the title of the show. So Quantum Leap was a show where during a government experiment in the time travel, a scientist finds himself trapped in the past, leaping into the bodies of different people on a regular basis and sorting out their problems whilst trying to get back home to his own timeline. That reminds me of a show that I thought was like a really cool premise. I think it only got one season though. So it was about this police detective uh, who got into a car accident and his wife and his son died. But when he wakes up, after he gets out of the hospital, his wife is alive, but his son dies. And then when he goes to sleep, he wakes up in a different reality where his son is alive and his wife is dead. This sounds like uh, that Batman flip. Was it was that in the Flashpoint Paradox, or did they just include that in the Flashpoint? Well, Batman became uh, Thomas Wayne became Batman. Right, right. I know that was in the Flashpoint Paradox. It, One of the most heartfelt moments I've ever seen in media is when Batman read the letter from Flashpoint Thomas Wayne. So Black Widow dropped on, what was it, Friday? Yeah. Um, we haven't watched it. No, because it's $30. And we know Disney. what happened with Mulan. Fuck you, Disney. Fuck you, Disney. Unless you give us back. I, Actually, I don't know if we no, need to take the Disney I don't back. Want, I don't want the Disney We don't back. want the Disney. Yeah, I don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't want that back. I, I say that now, but if Mickey Mouse HBO, shows though. the right contract. Um, no, okay, so Black Widow dropped. I've seen pictures of the Taskmaster, and that was a big disappointment in the design of the costume. I haven't watched it yet. I have not. Uh, Taskmaster looks like a bad version of Snake Eyes. I have not seen much about it yet. All I know is that Steven Dorff, the dude who played the villain in the first Blade movie, says that he is embarrassed for Scarlet Joe. Because in continuation of everything women do being critically overjudged. As you said earlier, yeah, every time women do stuff. Especially in the realm of Hollywood, right? Like with Wonder Woman 1984, everybody like critically panned, right? Like, and I've seen a decent amount of that movie. It was not uh, good enough for me to really like want to sit down and finish, but a lot of movies haven't been that way recently, right? So I feel like the, and uh, I felt the same way about the Captain Marvel hype. 
right? Like, everybody was like, oh, that was the worst Marvel movie so far. And I'm like, do you guys not remember the second, like, Thor movie? <laughs> we don't, we, no, we don't. We pretend it doesn't exist. Exactly, right? Like, the same thing with, like, Iron Man 2 and shit like that. Like, you watch Thor Ragnarok, and it should just have, like, previously on Thor. <sighs> so when people pan these movies, I do feel like they are being To be fair though a bit unjust as Captain Marvel was so bad that they're probably gonna recast Brie Larson. No, they're not. <laughs> like, I mean, I don't know if she will I've heard rumors that they're going to make her the face of the MCU moving forward to replace Robert Downey Jr. I thought you and I agreed that it would actually just be Deadpool. Well, that was the rumors prior to that. But what I'm saying is now the the grapes and the vine are chattering about it being Brie Larson, especially with the continuing push for female representation and, you know, strong roles and things like that. Yeah. Somebody was just fucking complaining about, oh, fucking Dean Cain was complaining about the new run of the Captain America comics, right? Uh, the one introducing Nichelle Wright as Captain America that we spoke about previously on the show. Yeah, Dean Kane was just on like Fox and Friends complaining that they've made Captain America this unpatriotic figure and he's upset at how the, there's this push to be just like to bully America and how cool it is to be un-American or whatever it is. I'm, I'm pretty sure they're just trying to have a more accurate representation of America. Egg fucking exactly. And whereas we've gone Anytime a little, something like, like this starts hap- like trending, it reminds me of the Anthony Anderson monologue from Blackish after Trump was elected. Yeah. The whole black people love America more than, you know, mm-hmm. regular American. I would the, the term regular Americans, right? Like, no. So, to the point, I guess, and against the argument for the whole Dean Kane thing, right? It's Dean, shut, shut the fuck up. Nobody's cared about you since Superman and Lois Lane or Clark and Lois, right? Like, that's where he played Superman, right? That's the only time you've ever played Superman. And it's cool that you like comic books and you love America. But outside of that, no one asked you, bro. Like, (laughs) you weren't on consultation for the new Captain America comic book run. So, sit the fuck down and shut the fuck up. (laughs) You know who's not gonna sit the fuck down and shut the fuck up? Leon Kennedy! Resident Evil Darkness came out on Netflix. You. Okay. And so, I watched this. If he sat down and shut up, President would be dead. Actually, never mind. He has to kill the President in six. He's... So, Leon Kennedy is ultimate bad luck Brian. Did you finish the full series already? I have to get through the last episode. I okay, so you're... I watched the first episode. It was kind of hard to, like, follow. It had exactly what I want for Resident Evil series, though. Yo, they... I mean, yeah, no. They didn't wait to introduce the zombies into this shit at all. Yeah, I mean, they, Leon they, Kennedy uh, running through the White House killing zombies. Yeah, that that was that was pretty sick. 
I'm yeah. liking them. I don't normally get down for the kind of animation style they've got going on. But... I did have a problem with them saying an ori- Netflix original anime. I'm like, this ain't no anime, dog. Can we? So, yeah. Just because it's from Japan does not mean it's an anime. The... Yeah, the animation style, I feel like it it starts to blur the lines when we call, like, that computer CGI animation Like, anime. I can get some of the, like, the Doro Doro. I can get the, calling that anime. Resident Evil Darkness is not a fucking anime. No, I mean, and it has, like, yeah, Doro Doro has the anime aesthetic still going on, but Resident Evil Darkness feels like I'm watching a bunch of video game cutscenes compiled into a movie. Which I am totally fine with. It... Also reminds me. Um, I actually was watching a lot of the metal, like Metal Gear Solid cutscenes, as if it was a movie. It reminds me of the Final Fantasy Advent Children movie. It hasn't aged well. That's not the point. I mean, that animation style is one but, that yeah, is I becoming what you mean. prevalent now. Yeah. And I wouldn't call Advent Children an anime. I watched the Netflix's Trace. I'm sure I butchered that just now because my tongue didn't roll like it was supposed to, but it is a uh, anime crime procedural like that focuses on a lot of Filipino folk anime order. law and order, and, but for like occult stuff though, like so anime X Files. Yes, yes, in the Philippines. <laughs> Filipino anime X Files. It's good. Say that though. three times fast. Right. Yeah. It kind of reminds me of, yeah, like, you know, that Naruto animation. I don't know who the studio that produces it is. Um, well, Naruto animation is just kind of rather generic manga anime. Naruto is a good, like, baseline standard to measure animation by. It's based... It's not fair to hold things up to the standard of animation of, like, Fate Zero, Hunter x Hunter, Castlevania... Created by Budget Tan and uh, Kajo Baldissimo, it is a base entertainment studios animated series developed by Jay Olivia uh, for Netflix, focusing around, you know, a Filipino detective who is, I guess, like she's in line to be some kind of like queen of the underworld, but. Right now, she works to uphold the balance between the magic realm and uh, real life. And she is like, yeah, like an occult detective who helps cops solve mysteries that and crimes that seem like they might have some otherworldly, I guess, uh, subject behind them. So, otherworldly unlucky. Leon Kennedy. This is this is a hill I'm gonna die on. Okay, okay. This is like, one of my. Threw, you threw me for a loop just now, but this, go ahead. This is one of my. I still have yet to come up with a good term for it. And once I do, I. Leon Kennedy is bad luck, Brian. <laughs> what? Why? <laughs> His first day as a cop, Raccoon City. His first day as a secret as Secret Service. President's daughter gets kidnapped. First day as president's bodyguard has to kill the president. 
Okay, I mean, <laughs> you put it like that, it does feel like he may be suffering from a bit of bad luck. He might need to take a break. Whole lot of money in the bank. Uh, speaking of... You're supposed to pick up the next line. Streaming services. Now what I'm supposed to do is keep the show rolling. Oh God. So speaking of streaming services and what's been streaming, CNBC put out an article over the uh, last week with the ominous title, The Honeymoon is Over for Streaming Services. Here's where the major players stand. So let's talk about why this article is titled that. And it's pretty simple. We're not stuck inside anymore. Right. And that was peak streaming service. If we can, you know, I mean, as this article said, I don't uh, think streaming in the last quarter of 2020 was 44% higher than the fourth quarter of the year before. When everybody is stuck inside, I mean, I guess we're going to be getting a lot of, you know, well, what the fuck is on options, right? So, I mean, Tiger King. It was definitely peak streaming. And, you know, three players probably to come out on top of that, technically, too, would be Netflix and Disney. I was going to say Netflix, Disney, and Hulu. Well, right? Netflix but, at this point, if you have a subscription, it's like a marriage. I mean, Netflix has the benefit of being the first, right? Like, it was literally, like, the first. It was Netflix, and then Hulu wasn't too far behind that, but Netflix still reigns supreme over top of everybody with 208 million paying subscribers, and their subscriber numbers are actually dipping compared to everybody else, right? So... Netflix is still sitting on top with around, you know, uh, 74.4 million U.S. and Canadian subscribers alone. I'm going to stop doing WandaVision. Their average revenue per user being 14.25 because I think that's what the average subscription yeah. cost between Canada and America is. They're making out pretty good and as we've seen Netflix is opening up new film studios and stuff like they're still pushing they're always throwing money into to the, make their... themselves a viable competitor to these big studios because you have rolling in at second here with Disney Plus which these... is surprising to me personally that it's second is it really though because like I said Netflix has that advantage of being the compared first. to Hulu well, Hulu is a part of Disney. Yes, but the fact that the Disney Plus subscriptions are that much higher than Hulu but is surprising. Also, Disney Plus, including their Hotstar subscriptions, which is their Indian subdivision, right? So that's Disney if Plus. You like Bollywood. Plus Hotstar, right? So Disney Plus's subscriptions may actually be closer to the 89 million range. Which doesn't put them too much further ahead of who, right? Yeah. 
because if you include the live TV, so their live TV subscriptions are 3.8 million subscribers, right? So if you include their live TV subscriptions with their regular video on demand subscriptions, that puts them at about 40,000. So that's, I guess, half of what Disney Plus's regular subscriptions are. And um, I think the last one that really has a, a good staying power is HBO and HBO Max. Well, HBO just has bomb content. And they are getting ready to merge with Discovery Plus, right? Yeah. So once they merge with Discovery Plus, getting that whole Paramount library, excuse me, that's what they're merging with. They're merging with Paramount Plus. So they'll be getting that whole Paramount library, which includes Showtime, Noggin, BET, those things. So. And Amazon Prime, I'm kind of going to put in the neutral area because it's going to survive based off of Amazon Prime subscriptions just for the use of Amazon the website. So they've got more active users, though, than Disney Plus has. Does that count active users for the streaming service? Yes, or? that's what I mean. So they've got 200 million global Prime subscribers. 175 million of which have streamed shows and movies in the past year. So if we take that number and we look at the 175 million active like streaming users, let's count that as their subscriber number. That's still more than Disney Plus. Yeah. So Amazon has more active streaming users than Disney Plus has. So that leaves these that I think are probably in trouble. And technically more than, or not technically, and more than HBO Max has. So these are the ones I think that are in trouble. Peacock, which is the free one. I mean, it's right. free, so you can download it, but... It, which, to me, knocks them out of the realm of being in trouble, right? Because it's a free service. So you can always, when you you can't pay for your Disney+, Plus, you can't pay for your Amazon Prime, you can always fall back on, like, Pluto and fucking Peacock TV. Yeah, and you said Paramount Plus, Showtime, Noggin, BET, they're all owned by Viacom CBS. Right, and they're getting ready to sell off all of that. And then there is Stars. There's, like, two or three shows on Like, it's the cult classic yeah. premium cable show. Like, the people that like the star shows are, like, obsessed with, like, Outlanders, I think, is Stars. Yeah. Uh, Discovery, which we also said is about to get cannibalized, and then Apple TV. It is Discovery that is merging with Warner Media. I don't know why I thought it was, um, whatchamacallit, Paramount Plus. Paramount Plus is not merging with Warner Media. That is just Discovery. Yeah, I was gonna say, Apple TV won't even release its, like, subscriber numbers, so... I'm giving away another year as a free trial. It, it... <laughs> They're just gonna. Yeah. It's like that. It's like the U2 album that showed up exactly. on all your iPhones. That's exactly here, what fuck I was it. Have a U2 right. album. Here, here, here's a free subscription to Apple TV. Please, please watch something, something. <laughs> please <to> clap. <laughs> so that's still one of the saddest moments of a politician I've ever seen. With that being said, I really, you know, it's quite obvious to me that the clear winners of the streaming wars are Netflix. Amazon and Disney Plus. And HBO. Right. With HBO being an honorable mention. That's fair. Right. HBO Max's numbers are still 
significantly down compared to the rest of the streaming services, but it's made enough noise that people are taking it into consideration. And the article even mentioned that there's probably a fair amount of HBO subscribers who don't even know they have access to HBO Max. Yeah. So they really need to just work on, I guess, drumming up more attention. And I think that they Or maybe will. just have like a public service announcement before an HBO show they watch on their TV, like boom, boom, boom. <laughs> you know you have free access on this app too. Right, right. Um, boom, boom, boom. A feature presentation. I think they will be a decent competitor to the Amazon Prime and maybe even to Disney Plus. If they can, if they can get their messaging more direct, Netflix is still coming for the animated crown, so I'm pretty sure they're gonna hold that subscription thing. And they do have the most subscribers of all the streaming. Oh services. yeah, on top by a wide margin, right? And like I said, that is Amazon Prime's below by about fifty thousand. Disney has like half. Like at 106 or 103. But you have billion. to add all of those subscription services up together. The Hulu, Hulu with live TV. I don't include that. I'm looking at Disney Plus as its own platform, right? Because you have to remember before there was a Disney Plus, all that Disney content was spread throughout the rest of the streaming services. Do you know what I love about Disney Plus? What is that? They have five images that are like the front of Disney Plus. Mickey Mouse, Darth Vader, Iron Man, another like classic Disney character. It's probably, and then Jeff Goldblum. Yeah. <laughs> well that's because he has a show on. I know, but it's it's just like four iconic characters. Jeff, Jeff Goldblum. Goldblum. Who's the I mean he is an iconic character. But it's just great. It's like Darth Vader all right, so here's one for you. What do you think? So if those are the faces of Disney Plus, what are the what's the face of Netflix at the moment? What would you say is Netflix's Jokeotic? <laughs> you still think it's Tiger King? I mean, the no. Number, I mean that's just a joke. The number one trending thing on Netflix right now here in America is that show Manifest, which I did watch like 15 minutes of before I tuned out because, I don't know, it feels too dramatic for me right now. Netflix is so transient, I don't think I could pin down... I mean, I would say, like... Stranger Things? Stranger Things, uh, like, previously, like, House of Cards. There's rumors that the new season of Stranger Things will a Park Rangers name. I don't know, but it's a tie ad. Anyway, uh, yeah, so Stranger Things would be the face of Netflix. Yeah, I think you? Stranger uh, Things would be one of them. There's nothing else that you could think of in the recent... Well, I mean, Netflix has such a vast library. You remember Netflix when they only had, like, four original content? Right, and it was... And it was, like, House of Cards, Orange is the New Black. And, like, those, those would have been, like, the face of Netflix. Right. But they have so much shit now, it's hard to put a face... So what to would, Netflix. What would be the, I guess, the grab, the hook for HBO Max? Then? HBO dope. <laughs> it's just HBO. Like it, it's HBO. Yeah. You know what like, you that's, get. Like 
If well, you've watched anything on HBO, you know they're just like, wow, this shit's like quality. Well, you know on HBO Max you get the entire the Cartoon Network library, you get the Adult Swim library, you get Sesame Street because they own that shit now. You also get Studio Ghibli because that's on there. And so the library's lit. I want to say Crunchyroll. You get access I think, to that yeah. shit on there with HBO Max. And Crunchyroll um, and Funimation actually ain't the deal now too. Yeah, so that's where I think that it's going to blur the lines. I wonder if that means somewhere through there, HBO is going to gain access to Funimation. I would like for that to happen, like that partnership to happen, because Funimation has great anime. Well, Funimation is just basically the outsourcing of anime. They're the company that just... They're the distributor. They were... I say that because... Funimation helped me, like, Funimation on Comcast helped me explore tons of, like, anime that I'd never had access to beforehand. Normally, I just gave my computer a fuck ton of viruses and yeah. found a third-party site. HBO is just, it's HBO. Yeah, that's pretty much all you need to get me is, it's just like, it's HBO, and I'm like, I love HBO. How much is it a month? HBO Max, it's like $9.99. Really? Yeah. All um, right, shit. Their average revenue per user, though, is eleven seventy-two. So I don't know if that's like HBO without ads or whatever the fuck the deal is. But either way, it looks like those will probably be the streaming services here to stay for the long run. I don't know, like you said, the fate of Peacock and Stars. Stars will probably end up merging with like Discovery Plus or some shit like that. Mm-hmm. They'll get cannibalized by something. What do you have currently at the moment? As to what? The streaming services. Oh, I have I have Hulu, Disney Plus, and Zach's Netflix. <laughs> Thank you, Amazon. Maybe you don't expose your plugs. I have Netflix, Disney Plus, HBO Max. No, I'm Hulu. just further proving that not everybody fucking pay- no, nobody fucking pays for their subscriptions. There's like one person and four other people around the country that have that the password. That's why when I saw the report that Netflix's numbers were dropping, I figured it was probably just due to their crackdown on like people sharing accounts and shit like that. Because remember, people apparently aren't smart enough to text their friend and be like, did you get the verification email? Yeah, I mean, remember that that is happening, too. So that's like the margin of error for that shit, right? So with that being said, I, you know, it does seem to be that this streaming is the new wave. It felt almost cringe to say that shit, right? Because, like, streaming is here to stay. I don't know why there's this discussion on whether or not, you know, cable can survive these streaming services. This is where... I mean, we're just going to wait until all of the streaming services are put into one package and we're still ending up essentially paying for cable. And we're back to cable again. Uh, Have you ever wondered what the going rate for punching somebody as a celebrity is? You would assume there's there's a going rate for that? Apparently there is, according to Quentin Tarantino. Hey, so tell talk So, to me. Tarantino was on Dak Shepard's Armchair Expert. Uh, doing an interview tour for his novel version of uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Okay. And they were joking. This was this was a funny tone, comedic in nature conversation. So, like, this is not meant to be, like... Very leisure, like... Yeah. 
and they were discussing Tarantino's settlement for punching a producer on one of his old films. Okay. And uh, he was like, yeah, you know, I got sued for $5 million and I paid him $30,000. Jack was like, was it worth it? He was like, oh, it was totally worth it. But if you're famous and you have money and you punch a guy, whether you started it or not, you're probably going to pay about $30,000. Who did he punch? A producer on one of his old films. Oh, okay, okay. So, nobody significant. Yeah. (laughs) So, about $30,000. Yeah. Is the going rate for punch. So, if you ever really just want to haul off on a motherfucker, especially a motherfucker of some kind of prominence, right? Like a producer on your work set, make sure you got about $30,000 saved up in the bank. So, according to that, you'd only have to get punched by two celebrities for your heightening surgery. Actually, I'm sorry, three. Two and a half. $76,000. So, that came from a clip that I saw on Twitter, right? Like, yeah. of a dude who had gotten a heightening surgery that put him up about three inches. So, you know, that would probably make me, like, a smooth six foot. You know right? what this reminds me of? The episode of South Park, and you know exactly which one I'm talking about. Oh, God, where Kyle gets, like, so that was, like, a movie, right? That was, oh, God, what the fuck Miss Garrison? That was when Mr. Garrison got the... No, yeah, no, but that was also when Kyle got the surgery that made him black and tall. And Do you remember what it was called? South Park, yo. Do you remember the name of that surgery? No, what was it called? Negroplasty. Because it extended his height from the knees. And they uh, used, like, I remember, is like they used his, like, testicles like, as yep. joints in his knees. Yep. I remember. Fuck South Park. God. <laughs> God, that show was so fucking ridiculous, yo. Fuck South Park, but also fuck yeah, South Park. Also, fuck this Everybody's surgery. been offended by South Park. Fuck this surgery. $76,000 to get a three-inch height extension? That's so fucking bananas when all of these Instagram models are out here getting BBLs for a fraction of that so you mean to tell me I can get fat injected into my ass which from what I've heard is one of the most like potentially deadly plastic surgeries you can get right based off of the rejection rate I can get that done for maybe like a smooth 25k but because I want to get, like, a height increase of three fucking inches. You're basically paying $76,000 to get drawn and quartered. Almost $100,000. To get know? drawn and quartered. Fuck that. It's so fucked up. This They're so like, all right, up, once baby. you start screaming, we'll stop. 15-minute break, we'll start again. Surgery, quote-unquote. $76,000. It's a goddamn shame. Yeah, well, just get punched by two and a half celebrities. Or punched twice by one. How much money do you think I could get for getting Donald Trump to throw a punch at me? Nothing, because he could shoot somebody on Fifth Avenue and wouldn't. nothing would happen. I was going to say he would just sue me for making him punch him. Or yeah, for making him punch me. He would counter sue for any money that I gained in my losses. Anyway, so the goal is you gotta just piss off Jeff Bezos enough. I think it's on that note. I think it's on that note if we should take it a break in. Hold on, hold on, hold on. 
Or do we have something else to roll into? Um, no. I just wanted to say anybody in the Annapolis area who is looking to go play Magic anywhere, check out Token MTG in Edgewater. If you tell them that we sent you, they'll give you a free pack with your purchase. And you never know, you might see me playing there. Yay. And on that note, we'll be right back. Right. Not on. <laughs> so speaking of eating, since somebody wanted to turn the mic back on while I was still grubbing away. Yup. Subway made a huge menu change recently. I don't know if I would call it a huge menu change. They still have the seafood and crab? I don't know. Because according to the top CEO of Subway, their research shows that customers want innovation, right? I found that line, What a great word. That's not vague at all. I found I found that response very interesting considering that what Subway's latest controversy was was the fact that their tuna isn't 100% tuna. In fact, there's no tuna DNA in the tuna fish sandwich. Oh, I did see this. Yeah. So they, the company says that they are focusing on raising the quality, air quotes, of their core ingredients. Subway still alleges that the lawsuit against it claiming that the tuna is less than 100% is meritless. They are seeking to improve their quarterly numbers, which are down since peak high in 2013. In 2013, they brought in $12.3 billion in revenue. Recently, their numbers are down to like $8.3 billion. 2020, according to a technonomic analysis, because Subway is a privately held company and does not publicly disclose their sales figures, according to their So the sort of menu changes they are looking to make will be specifically in the quality of ingredients they are bringing. They will also be revamping their recipes for their Italian bread and their multigrain bread, which also came under fire, as you could remember, yeah. for the yoga mat controversy. They're also bringing back rotisserie-style chicken. Ooh, I love rotisserie chicken. And the roast beef. Ooh, I love roast beef. They will be introducing thinner slices of ham and turkey as well as now the bacon will be hickory smoked. Woo! Hickory smoked! It looks like they're trying to do what Taco Bell did. Remember how Taco Bell was considered like very, like the lowest tier fast food yeah. that you could get. And they went through, it was like a couple of years ago, they went through a whole rebranding where you remember they had like a set of commercials where they had a professional chef who was like, I picked out the most like finest yeah. of ingredients for these like, yeah. And now Taco Bell has what is widely considered one of the best vegetarian menus as far as fast food goes. Hmm. Right? So I They're think- They're still my go-to drunk at two in the morning. Them or Wawa. Probably Wawa. Subway- It's almost certainly Wawa. Once Okay, held, it's Wawa. Subway once held the largest amount 
a franchise is global, right? As far as fast food. How to confuse a zoomer. You don't care Taco Bell. I think they are trying to justify that position. Especially after, what was the name, Jared? Being a pedophile. <laughs> and then their bread was Yoga Mat. And now the tuna sandwich <laughs> situation. The tuna sandwich situation sounds like it could be like a one act play on Broadway. The one thing that I saw, it was a post. And this the only way that this is tied together, it's the sandwich fast food chain. And it was a picture of the uh, the crazy monkeys from the Quiznos commercials. Oh God. The really demented looking ones. And it was like, nobody under the age of 18 will ever believe that this was aired on TV. Yeah. Yeah, that was so wild. That was a wild time. Like the late 90s, early aughts. Post 9-11. Wasn't that post 9-11 or was that pre 9-11? It was something like that. It, it was, but I mean, it was a solid like four years of those like demented quit those commercials. To encourage this new menu change, it doesn't really matter because this episode won't come out till after it happens. July 13th, which I believe is when? Tuesday? Yes. So July 13th, Subway will be giving out 1 million free sandwiches between 10 a.m. and 12 p.m. to encourage their new menu change, which is set to take place on Monday. Okay. So, I mean, other than that, I was just going to talk about how Subway is also facing controversy from its franchise holders who allege that the treatment that they face from uh, Subway's corporate management is unfair. Oh, in an open letter, they said their Subway dream has turned to a nightmare. By opening new franchises close to already existing locations and closing down stores for minor infractions, imposing high franchise fees on owners, Subway is kind of like, it, it seems like an all-around management shit show is essentially what it cover Maybe from. they need to bring Shaquille O'Neal on. Like Papa John's did. That's another one. Let's let's play another game. Hide and Shaq. Shaq and Sneak. Sneak and Snoop? Shaq and Sneak? Yeah. Nah, I don't like that. We would be fucked by Shaq and Sneak and Sneak and Snoop. Alright, just stick with Sneak and Snoop. But be wary of how much Shaq shows up. It's not a game, it's just something you should take note of. It's not a game. It's not a game. This is practice, man. So, we got some title shifts that I just came up with. Okay. What? What the fuck? Charlie Brown and Charlie Day. Now, I'm really only thinking about Charlie Day trying to kick the football, and Lucy pulls the football out from underneath Charlie I was gonna Day. Say, I feel like this is a stretch. I feel like you really are reaching here. You just pulled two Charlies from two separate universes. Oh, if you haven't noticed, I do that a lot. Although, I feel like the Peanuts with Charlie Day is essentially the same show, but more chaotic. Yeah, I'd be alright with that. Like, when Lucy snatches the football, Charlie comes back with, like, some kind of, like, mop and bucket and, like, dunks Lucy's head in it and waterboards or something. I don't know. And Snoopy and Woodstock laugh. 
I'm not even really worried about Charlie Brown and the Always Sunny. I mean, if you want to speculate, go for it, but... Oh, yeah, Charlie Brown and Always Sunny. That's why I said this is a reach. What's the next one? Wu-Tang Clan and Friends. Once again, I'm only interested in Wu-Tang Clan in a sitcom like Friends. I would watch that, though. Oh, I totally would, too. I mean, that is, isn't that Wu-Tang Clan American Saga, except for, I guess, less uh, Middle America friendly? Uh, no, they're not musicians. Well, they are the Wu-Tang so Clan, but they're like, right. like, imagine, like, Raekwon the Chef is Monica, and he works at a restaurant. So they are the Wu-Tang Clan, they're just also the cast Also the cast from Friends. Because hmm. I would say this would work. They don't hang out in a coffee shop, they hang out in the bar. No, they can't hang out in the bar, this is just how I met your mother. I was gonna say this would work if it was like an office style. It reality. would definitely be the coffee shop because of coffee and cigarettes, and Bill Murray would be Gunther. I was gonna say the waiter. Well, yeah, Gunther from the Central Perk in the he's he's the dude that works. You keep talking to me like I watched Friends, my nigga. I didn't. That's fair. <laughs> All right, so there's this one dude. That works at the coffee shop, and he's just like a giant Debbie Downer the whole time. That you just replace totally, them with Bill Murray. I can totally see that being Bill Murray. Yeah, you just replace them with Bill Murray. And then my last one, you're gonna be impressed. LeVar Burton and Alex Trebek. Ooh, ooh. I like how you did that. So let's talk about it. Is it final? Is has it been confirmed? So, I found an article on GQ called LeVar Burton's Quest to Succeed Alex Trebek. Okay. And, wow! LeVar Burton is a much more interesting person than you would anticipate. Also, the interviewer is fantastic. So, I'm just going to read some quotes here uh, just to give some people a little bit of cover. He's more than just the Reading Rainbow guy. Uh, he was also Kunta Kinte, the main character in the series Roots. Yes, he was. And he was also Lieutenant Commander Geordi LaForge on Star Trek The Next Generation. Right. I want to say Roots is where he got his start. Absolutely. And, yeah. and he acknowledges it here. And that's what opened up the road for him to be on Star Trek, right? And then after that, he slid into the Bob Ross role as the dude who taught us all to read in Reading Rainbow. Yeah, and he says that, I feel like in some respects, I helped raise these younger generations that grew up watching Reading Rainbow. Yes, That means something did. to them, and it means something to me. We're invested in each other's success. He, I mean, he absolutely did. I think every single last one of us has seen or has at least one memory of Reading Rainbow. I think every one of our viewers would have at least one memory of reading Rainbow. Yeah, and he says, I'm a storyteller, and game shows are tremendous stories. And Jeopardy is a cultural touchstone, and for a black man to occupy that podium is significant. That's some heavy shit that I hadn't even really considered, right? I mean, it has that space has been occupied by Alex Trebek for such a long time that I almost can't remember who was the host before him, if there was a host before him, the same way that you have to remember The Daily Show had a host before Jon Stewart. Yep, Craig Kilborn. Right? 
Jon Stewart operated that space for so long, though, yeah. that the show almost became synonymous with Jon Stewart. It kind of is. Right. Nobody remembers that Jon Stewart has been in movies and things like that. He was in Big Daddy. Was it Pootie Tang? He, he was, was also in the Jon Stewart show. There was a show called the Jon Stewart show? It was on MTV and it lasted for like two seasons. Anyway. It was when he still like wore leather jacket, actually had black hair, and he parted it like it was Freddie Prince Jr. Wow. Anyway, so LeVar Burton. This interviewer Jeopardy. was fantastic, by the way. So this question, LeVar even responded to, and this is a great exchange. My interpretation of the enthusiasm for you to host Jeopardy is that there had to do with you and Alex Trebek having similar public personas. There's a shared nostalgic appeal, a standing for education, and generally radiating and being the recipient of long-standing good vibes. I obviously have no idea if that's how you experience the public's affection, but I was wondering whether, as presumably multifaceted human being, inhabiting that persona ever feels limited. That's pretty probing, David. That's my job, Lamar. <laughs> I, it, it's very cheeky. Um, that was a very cheeky exchange. It's an interesting question, although I'm waiting to hear what LeVar's response was. So, what LeVar said in response was, Responsibilities that come along with this privilege of celebrity. With influence, there is obligation. With great power comes great responsibility. Right, right, right. My goal is to be authentic to myself as well as have a real relationship with those that I come in contact with through storytelling. We love to make each other feel good, and feeling good is one of the privileges of being a human as feelings after all. As Jessica Rabbit said, I'm just drawn that way. So there was one other story that he mentioned. It was when he worked with Steve McQueen. They were outside and LeVar was signing autographs, but he noticed Steve wasn't signing. He said, it's not the autograph that matters. They'll probably sign the piece of paper, have you sign the piece of paper and it'll collect dust in a drawer. However, the moment of interacting with them is something that they're gonna remember for the lifetime. And Steve McQueen told that to LeVar. Just the chance to talk to a celebrity, that's the story that's gonna last forever. I honestly, I get that. It is the experience, right, of meeting in for lack of a better word, an icon, right? Like somebody you have looked up to, somebody you've idolized, and you finally get the chance to be in the same space as them, even if it is for something as insignificant as an autograph on a piece of paper that will collect dust over time. And LeVar Burton is, a, is, is the an experience. interesting character for this type of interview, because the interviewer really did press him. He's like, forgive me for making the subtext of these questions the text but I'm trying to see if we can complicate the image of you as almost a secular pop culture saint like Alex Trebek or Fred Rogers. He mentioned one of these exchanges on Twitter. He was like, when I'm in the mode of calling America into question for its transgressions against people of color and marginalized people, I get blowback, the equivalent of shut up and dribble. So in May, I said happy Memorial Day on Twitter and right away someone said happy? How about solemn and otherwise reflective? I subtweeted him. How about we not police how I observe the holiday? I felt bad because I knew the guy was going to catch hell. But you come for me, you might want to bring a fire extinguisher. Mm. Damn, Lamar! Yo, I mean, come on. 
LeVar Ben's move, right? That's why everybody wanted him to host Jeopardy. He felt like the naturally, like, charismatic host to follow up in that position. T like, I tuned in on earlier, or I tapped into earlier, excuse me. Him following up Alex Trebek in such an iconic position, right? Because the host of Jeopardy really is, like, sure, it's not huge celebrity supreme hype beast but you are the host of jeopardy like a american that is an american cornerstone yeah right like everybody has seen an episode of jeopardy just like every millennial has seen at least one reading rainbow clip right maybe not a whole episode of reading everybody's rainbow. seen an episode of the simpsons right it is an american cornerstone so for it just feels fitting for Alex Trebek to pass the torch on to a posthumously pass the torch on to a LeVar Burton. And LeVar Burton's takeaway from this is that he wants to heal through storytelling. And he says that imagination cannot be crammed and it cannot be forced. Speaking and I of... think that LeVar Burton is probably the perfect person for Jeopardy. Honestly, I felt the same way when I saw the petition go. I couldn't think of another person other than maybe a Ryan Reynolds who you would An want, Aaron Rodgers who you would want to host a show like Jeopardy, right? And I just feel Aaron like Aaron Rodgers hosting is hilarious. He's very, not hosting anymore. Right. But I feel like it is very fitting for LeVar Burton to be the host of such a prestigious show like Jeopardy. If we could call Jeopardy prestigious. I think we can call Jeopardy prestigious. Price is Right is significantly less prestigious now that it's Drew Carey. It's still weird. He doesn't even look the same. I don't think that's fair to Drew Carey though, because he was a great host of Whose Line Is It Anyway. For that's Whose Line Is It Anyway though. Right. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of imagination. Literally a show where the, the rules are made up and the points don't matter. Do you have a show based on creativity? I see what you did here. A little bit of stretch, but continue. Creativity and imagination. Imagination. Throw that Jesus Mayor rainbow up. According to an Inked article, who is the author of this Ink article, Danzig? Jessica Stillman. So according to an Ink article by Jessica Stillman, we are seeing a decline in creativity as far as the human race is concerned. Based on measurements given using what purported test was this again? It was the Torrance test. According to the Torrance test. And the Torrance test uses units of measurements to determine creativity along the lines of, what did we say earlier? Flexibility, rarity, uh, hold on, let me just look it up. The idea of a standardized test measuring creativity okay. in the first place so seems ridiculous to me. It does until you hear the standards of the Torrance test, right? So, okay, the Torrance test created by Ellis Paul Torrance is the creative thinking assessment 
that uses fluency, the total number of interpretable, meaningful, and relevant ideas generated for a response to a stimulus, flexibility, the number of different categories of relevant responses to a stimulus, originality, the statistical rarity of the responses to said stimulus, and elaboration, final, finally, elaboration, the amount of detail to said responses to a stimulus, right? Now, if those are the metrics we are going by to assess the creativity of a person. Well, I wrote two things that can just be diametrically measured. And that is, are they really measuring the output of creative media? Or are they measuring the originality of that creative media? So I think this is more a test for critical thinking, right? Like creative thinking, creative problem solving. Because one of the things mentioned in this article is the scientific conclusion for the lacks of creativity, right? Like the, the scientists who are analyzing this data do see causation or what they can assume to be causation, which is simply the fact that we are overworked and overstimulated, right? They assume that boredom facilitates creativity. Well, I mean, so if people are talking about overstimulation of the mind, for me personally, I, you know, you, everyone knows. You damn well know. I'm a hella creative person. Like, I'm never not doing something thinking creative. Of, right, thinking of some kind of, yeah, no. So. I get inspiration from the stuff that I watch a lot. Some people. And the things that I read and the things that I do. Yes. Some, I, I feel like naturally creative people do do that, right? Like, I feel like it is in your nature as well as other a certain subject subsect of others to creatively analyze the media that they are consuming the author of this article though is getting it and the uh, scientists behind this analysis are getting it though is that a decent majority of the population is using the overstimulation from entertainment as a means of escapism and to not have to reconcile with their boredom, right? That's unfortunate because creativity in itself is still a form of escapism. And like we've said before, human beings are naturally inclined to just do shit. But would you argue that creativity facilitating boredom is also requires a means to be bored, right? Like... When you're poor, you can't afford to be bored, right? You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, there are people who work seven-day-a-week jobs, and when they have time off, they are using it to do other things to help lift themselves up out of a situation. Yeah. So when they are not doing that, and they are consuming media for escapism, it is to literally like shut down and relax. You know what I mean? Yeah. It is a form of mindless meditation in a way. Like, let me clear my mind so I can properly focus on my seven day a week job. 
on yeah. my six day a week job. So I bring that up to tie this into the study that came out of Iceland just recently about their 35 hour, 36 hour a week work schedule experiment that they've been conducting over the last year or so. And they found that out of the 2,500 people that participated in the study, they found that not only did their work-life balance benefit from this, but that productivity at work also benefited from this, right? So the people were able to use those, so 35, 36 hours a week, roughly works out to about uh, six hours a day, right? Yeah. So shortening the American workday by two hours a day, right? Not only did this study find that out of the 2,500 participants, it helped benefit their work-life balance, but productivity increased. And they were using the time to do things. A lot of them said they were using the time to exercise and to maintain their social relationships. So it's like, oh yeah, no bullshit. If you give people two hours, two extra hours in their day, they might be a little more happy. They might be a little bit more inclined to do things that work out for their the benefit of everybody. I think we have really had time to examine, aside from, you know, the best streaming offers of, uh, you know, Netflix and Disney Plus over the last year, to examine this relationship that we have with capitalism constant need for growth that is demanded by capitalism and how it fuels this culture this the grind culture that really pushes you to work your fingers to the bone you know yeah, what i mean it could kind of grow into gluttony right i was leading in by the way joey chestnut eats a hot dog in 7.9 seconds flat he broke another world record break Ha, ha, ha. I mean, we can talk about ratios. <laughs> Not those ratios. Ratioed. Ha, ha. Speaking of getting ratioed, what's up with this Rachel Nichols Maria Taylor situation? Oh, man. <laughs> There's a lot going on with this Rachel Nichols Maria Taylor thing. So, what's a bad thing for a white person to do in general? Should I run down the list? Let's start at colonization. Okay, let's be a little more specific to this scenario. To this scenario? Yes. Did Rachel Nichols commit genocide? No, but Rachel Nichols oh. did assume that she lost her job because ESPN has a bad diversity mm. record. So she said on she said on recording. She wasn't intending to be. So she was time. not intending to be recording. So, so there's this a lot a of things to this. There's right? a lot of things yeah. to this. So she was caught on equivalent of a pandemic version of a hot mic. She didn't turn off like her Zoom properly. Exactly. Right. So it's the excess Hollywood take. Yeah, yeah, and then it was seen on the server at ESPN. Someone recorded it with their phone, and then it gets circled around. So you so, know the only person, according to the article you sent me, the only person reprimanded for that whole exchange was the person who recorded the video and sent it to Maria Taylor. Correct. Rachel Nichols has not been reprimanded 
technically I, reprimanded at all. Right. So I don't think that she should have been reprimanded, but I will say moving forward here, I do think that ESPN handled this irresponsibly by not setting the two down for mediation right? Whether it had been mediation on Zoom or in-person-to-person mediation, I will say that moving forward here, one of the biggest faults that I have with this whole thing is that the company, which I felt like if this had happened between Jalen Rose and somebody else, right, they would have set those two men down for mediation. Oh, Jalen would have just talked about it on J&J. My point is, is if this had been two male counterparts, I think that they would not have let the, like, infighting go on for as long as what they did. Well, here's the thing. You would think that they would have mediation, but um, Maria Taylor won't be in the same room as Rachel Nichols. Right. All of the things that Rachel Nichols and Maria Taylor are quote-unquote collaborating on, everything Rachel Nichols did was pre-recorded. See, that's my point, though. Like... As a company, this is where you put on the big daddy pants and you say, okay, no, if you two ladies want to continue to have a job, you will show up for in-person. And Maria Taylor can go off and say what she wants to say, but you still have to come to this mediation if you want to keep your job. And I know her contract was... I was about to uh, go there. Right, so she. it seems like she is playing from a position from an advantage position right mm -hmm. that's what it feels like um because they did not make that move but i also feel like they did not make that move because once again they are pitting two of the top women against each other which rachel nichols mentioned mentioned several times even if it was in just a couple of the times or not in jest but like uh sarcastically a couple of times it was even mentioned by the head commissioner of the NBA that he feels like that what ESPN is doing is yes. pitting two of its leading female announcers against each other. He said, Adam Silver said, it's disheartening and unfortunate that two women in the industry are pitted against each other. That's a direct quote from Adam Silver. That is exactly what is happening. And whereas I do agree that Rachel Nichols' comments were disparaging to Maria Taylor in the sense that she is genuinely discrediting Maria Taylor's like work ethic that she's put up to this point. Like Rachel Nichols' apology, uh, uh, Rachel Nichols' apology took less time than for Giannis Antetokounmpo to shoot two free throws. But I also do feel like her apology I mean there's not much more of an apology she didn't that even she didn't directly give. address to what she was apologizing for. Uh, well that you know she could have but once again and maybe, she also had uh, Richard Jefferson and Kendrick Perkins were just like posted up there to just like be backup yeah um it's not like it was optics. it was like have you ever seen that that internet it's, video where it's the white guy and it's whenever he raps along to a song, he's paying a black dude behind him to say the N-word? Oh, yeah, yeah, no. I feel you... I, I, I see where the internet would be mad. If I was Rachel Nichols, what I would want is to give my genuine apology to Maria Taylor, right? Like, not for the court of public opinion, which is what it felt like she was made to do. So, Rachel Nichols hosted an episode of The Jump last Monday, and Tuesday that she said she would host the show on weekdays, 
uh, through the games through the finals. And while the jump was listed on the television schedule for ESPN2 at 4 p.m. Eastern on Tuesday, instead, an episode of Jalen and Jacoby aired. Ha <laughs> ha, shout out to J&J making off of it. It's like Jalen probably is not happy about it. That's actually something that was in this article. It, they said, um, along with her uh, jump cohorts, Adrian Wojnarowski, yeah. the ultimate NBA insider, right. said that Rachel Nichols is a bad teammate. And according to this article, Jalen Rose said that he... Jalen Rose said that the company has put a lot more pressure on black employees over the past year and after this, they will no longer lend their credibility to situations such as this. Which essentially is what Rachel Nichols was saying, right? Was this whole controversy stemmed from ESPN trying to revamp their image in the era of the Me Too Black Lives Matter movement, right? Like, well, it doesn't help when, you know, those were brought up and she laughed. That's what I was leaning into, was when her manager brought up his fatigue, right? And that is where I feel like the main, I guess, uh, disgust for Rachel comes in, right? Is it is you set yourself up to be an it, ally on these It was like a super no laugh. You set yourself up to be an ally on these things, and then it's like... What you two say when you feel like you're in comfortable spaces and away from the prying eyes of the media and people who because may Because this was a hot mic moment. Exactly. Right? And it just... And I understand that Rachel may have been frustrated at the fact that, you know, she's been gearing hard to... She's about to lose her job. Work up. Well, now she's about to lose her job. She would not have been... You know, she would have just been out of the position that she wanted had this hot mic situation not had happened, right? But now what we have is her having to reckon with something she said in a moment of frustration. And I know that it is going to be hard for a lot of people, especially on my side of the delegation, to rationalize Oh, Jalen Rose's thought. daughter went off on her. I'll show you that video. She went off. Yeah, because what she said was extremely insensitive, right, to her colleague. Um, whether you were in a moment of frustration or not, and I feel like she has at some point admitted that, right? Like, she knows that what she did was wrong, and she knows that what she said was extremely disparaging. And I do not blame Maria Taylor for not wanting to talk to her about it at the moment, right? You are discrediting the work that I've put in to get to this. And Maria Taylor is fantastic at her job. She's incredible. Which is why I also feel like it is being, it is going unspoken. There are other microaggressions that Rachel Nichols has probably made in the past. Right? So, I mean, she's, it's the type of thing where it's like, you're an ally until it disadvantages to you. It, there's that, but I feel like that is the public view of it, right? So there's a whole thing she's talking about the diversity record being the reason Maria Taylor's getting her job. So let's just right. mention that Rachel Nichols is the daughter-in-law of Diane Sawyer. Right. Who's like the queen of ABC. But what I was going to say is there is a reason that I don't think we are being explained or being told 
as to why Maria Taylor is refusing to be in a room with Rachel Nichols. That sounds off to me that there were other previous microaggressions that we are not aware of, and that this was the final straw for Maria Taylor. Oh, I totally get that. Like, when Woj is like she's a bad teammate, and Jalen is like, I'm not going to let you use my credibility anymore. Exactly. That's my point. And I feel like Jalen's comments were more so directed at ESPN, but Woj specifically said that she's a bad teammate. Uh, There's something that Kendrick Perkins said. So she was joined on the jump with Kendrick Perkins and Richard Jefferson, two black former NBA players who are regulars on the jump. Perkins thanked Nichols for accepting responsibility and added that he knows her heart and she is a great, great person and great individual. After receiving criticism on social media for seeming to defend Nichols in his comments, Perkins went on Spaces, Twitter's audio app, to explain himself. At the end of the day, I can't go out there and go off and go crazy and risk losing my job because someone want me to go out there and speak for how they feel. I get... Straight up figurehead. Yeah, I... I mean... But he's it's also... like Papa John's. We need a black person. Get Shaq. But he's also not wrong, though. Like, your opinions may not be his opinions. And that is the, like... Okay, so that's one of the things that I feel like... Um, it's not something we can speak about yet because we have to overcome a lot of these controversies together as a people. But black people are not entirely unified, right? Like, there are black... I mean, look at fucking Kanye West, right? Like, and Ben Carson and shit like that. Like, there are totally... And you've told me, like, colorism is a thing. Yeah. So, to assume that we are all, like, aligned on these subjects, one, is completely, like, absurd when you're just looking at human nature. Um, but... Also, I feel like to expect everybody to choose sides at work is extremely, like, high school-ish and not realistic, one. Um, two, I also feel like her, it's not like she said this black bitch don't deserve her fucking job, even though that it may be what it feels like she said. And Maria Taylor, specifically, is entitled to feel like that is what she said, right? But everybody else thinking we should go off in response to this is that they, they, they need to chill out for so a second. So we already know what Maria Taylor thinks because there is a, a video that went viral of her talking about Drew Brees saying that kneeling for the flag was disrespectful. Yes. And she went off and she was like... You don't have to say anything else because you already told me what's in your heart. Yeah. You don't have to say anything else because even if you change your mind, I'll remember. And what you said, I know what's true in your heart. And that's probably the position she's operating from in this moment, right? Like, she feels like Rachel Nichols has said everything she needs to say to her by assuming that she's only getting the position. It's like how not to be an ally. I mean, but that's essentially it, right? That is, I feel like, really the argument that is being had and is 
being overshadowed by what happened. I've learned a lot of things over my 229 years, so. And I feel like what Rachel needs to do if she really wants to make it up to Maria is come to her and stop trying to force Maria and everybody else to... Because that's what seems to be happening, too, is now the company is pushing other people of color out of the way to make room for Rachel. Yeah, and to you compensate would, you would Rachel. think that until Rachel Nichols got completely taken off of covering the finals. Right, right. But that is The sideline reporter now is a woman of color. I think it's Lisa Salter. Right, because Maria Taylor and uh, Jalen Rose pushed for this. Because it was noticed that there were no women of color reporting. Jalen, you're an OG. Now, I just realized you're not recording video. No. Jalen Rose, for real reason, I like, he is the realest. He is a hundred. I I'm not disagreeing with you. I just feel some kind of way because, once again, at its core, I feel like we can blame capitalist corporate culture on this, right? Like hyper masculine, because yeah. It now let's also not disregard the fact that Maria Taylor could very easily just be using this for leverage because her contract is up before the if the finals go seven games her contract will be up before the finals are over right right now and that would be an extremely Not gonna smart go seven games the suns are probably going to win in four or five that would be an extremely smart play right um but this whole thing does feel like it really misses the mark as to what the real issue is here it right. does feel like a stone that broke, or a straw that broke a camel's back. Right. I do feel like, well, I feel like there are two issues here. That like, is, for Jalen and Woj's quotes to come out? Right. That really does feel like straw that broke a camel's back. And, and that is part of my first issue, right? Is this does address the idea of a fake ally. Somebody who is an ally in public, but then the second, it does become disadvantageous to them. They... They, uh, they take it personally. You know what I mean? Yeah. Whereas the second point I really feel like that this hymns home is the fact that the sports world does need to open up more lanes for more talented female announcers. And Rachel, Rachel did mention that she, as a woman, also faced discrimination. And I'm sure that is true. And that's not to be belittled. Right. And I mean, like, she has also said several times that she understands why what she said hurt Maria Taylor, you know, personally. Mm -hmm. And she takes responsibility for that. But she, her manager have also pointed out, and as well as several Nate Silver and several other people have pointed out that this is purely symptomatic of the kind of culture that ESPN breathed. Even Rachel said that this is them trying to save face as far as the Black Lives Matter movement is concerned. Yeah. And I don't think she's necessarily wrong about that. I mean, it doesn't hurt. It doesn't help that they got rid of Jamel Hill. I haven't seen Carrie Champion on right. ESPN for a long time. Right. Carrie Champion, I would marry her. So this does feel like an overcorrection, right? That she got caught in the middle of, right? And whereas 
I'm not saying that this overcorrection is to discredit Maria Taylor in any way, shape, or form, right? She is deserving. Maria Taylor is, to be honest, a better reporter than than Rachel Rachel Nichols. And she's more deserving of the position. She actually played basketball. The effort and the time that Rachel Nichols has put in should open her up for more positions at ESPN compared to probably some of her male counterparts at that company. Yeah, she can go back to being a Tampa Bay Buccaneers beat reporter. Damn. See? I remember Rachel Nichols as, like, a beat reporter. But that's my point. Like, she she has, you know, cut her teeth and grinded her way up through the circuit and is probably more deserving of certain positions that other male announcers are in that don't deserve to be there. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I can understand that. However, we're talking about the NBA Finals here. When she was hosting the Finals, Maria Taylor had not ascended yet. Right. At a certain point, you just lose the race. So you're saying she's had her shot, and she didn't really zoom and, like, zero in. Or Maria Taylor just surpassed her. I mean, it's... And that happens, right? And Rachel Nichols probably has to just atone for that. I mean, if you get beat out for something, it's not because they're black or white or Asian or anything. You got beat out for something. And that... I've played enough fighting games to know it doesn't matter who the fuck I'm playing against. If they're playing Ness, I'm going to get my ass kicked. And that goes to my point, my earlier point, whereas the fake ally thing, right? Like I said, you champion diversity for your co-workers until that diversity means you don't get a position. You know what I mean? And it's like, your co-worker is not getting that position because of diversity. It is because of your push for equality that they are now being recognized, right? And it just so happens that this co-worker is more qualified than you. So, I mean, this, like we said, this story has actually got a lot of things to it. It does have and a I, lot I wrote, of like, impact. it's got issues with privacy. Yes. It's got issues with privilege. Yes. yes. Nepotism. Right. Sexism. Right. Being a fake ally. Corporate structure. Yeah. Sexism. Corporate sexism. I mean, it just. Also, I mean, even basic things like ratings and team cohesion. Right, because this has disturbed at its core function the teamwork at the ESPN at ESPN Center as far as basketball is concerned. Yeah. It has split everything down racial lines, unfortunately, and it's not going to prove cohesive for the way the rest of ESPN's black employees look at their management. It's really shitty were... because I think ten years ago This is going to be a weird way to phrase it. Ten years ago, if Maria Taylor got this position, and it was before all of the, like, mass police shootings being caught on camera and everything, do you think Rachel Nichols would have seen that narrative if Black Lives Matter was never pushed to the forefront? Well, I feel like people... And you know what I mean by that, right? Well, I feel like people in her position have always been complaining about affirmative action, right? Like, ever since... It the was, stepdaughter of Diane Sawyer. Ever since it was really, you know... 
Well, yeah, even as the steps on, even with the nepotism, right? To get beat out by essentially what is modern day affirmative action, I feel like still would have impacted her the same way. I see it as a modern day get good nerd. That is the truth of it, right? But I'm saying in Rachel Nichols' eyes and people who side with Rachel Nichols in this discussion... I can understand her seeing it through this lens because you can understandably be pissed. Right. And, And she has every right. She also has... That's why I said it's both, right? Her comments that she made are both wrong and disparaging and also poignant to open up a further discussion. I would say understandable. Not poignant, understandable and worth discussion. Either way- I can get where she's coming from, doesn't mean she's right. No, uh, maybe. Not right about everything, right? But she is right about the fact that her and Maria Taylor should not have to fight for such a small amount of available position. You know what I mean? Yeah. There should be more opportunities for two women who have worked hard to climb the ladder and get to where they are. You know what I mean? I'm gonna have, I'm gonna pause this for a second and let you watch Jalen Rose's daughter, Mariah Rose, respond to this. Nah, because let's quickly talk about Miss Rachel Nichols. Maria Taylor knows what a generational talent she is in the broadcasting world, so I don't even gotta go there and hype her up. Let's talk about the fact that she actually played basketball. And if you wanna go there, let's go there. Let's talk about how you're related to Diane Sawyer, arguably the queen of ABC. Nah, 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 you got your job as one of the faces of ESPN because you're so entertaining and talented and so good at it, right? You are a woman in the sports world and you sat there and you laughed about the Me Too movement, about your fellow women complaining about being sexually assaulted at work. You think that's funny? What really got me is you're tired of the Black Lives Matter movement because you weren't tired about posting about it or making your stupid little storybook monologues about it. Maybe instead of crying and calling Maria a diversity token, you can direct that energy to the people who think there can only be one woman on that stage. And if we're being real, Rachel Nichols is a subpar reporter. Subpar, boring, not great. I'm sorry your white privilege didn't work this time. Maybe next time. Jesus, that was scathing. Yep. God, that was scathing. But I mean, she's also not wrong, <laughs> right? Like that's, okay. So, Yo, when she was like, oh yeah, cause you're such a good reporter. Mm, yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> right, and it kind of like took the wind out of like all the argument that I was making, right? In defense of Rachel. It, it, it wasn't really it was a kill shot of Rachel Nichols. It was in defense of women having to compete for positions at ESP. Yeah, she did right? make a very she was like, instead of complaining about Maria Taylor being a diversity token, how about you take it up with the people that say there can only be one woman on that stage? Thank you. Thank you. And that is the point that Rachel Nichols should have made instead of complaining that Maria Taylor only got the position because she was black. That's where Rachel Nichols fucked up, right? She could have taken that sisterhood rah-rah energy that she's got now. Because Maria Taylor can be a legitimate, like she could just be a basketball analyst. Right, because she actually played basketball. (laughs) So it's fucked up all around. But I want us to get to a position where we can understand that sometimes things can be both wrong and right 
at the same time. Yep. Right? Like, people can say both things that make sense and completely incoherent. You can also have completely incoherent arguments that technically aren't... They're technically not wrong. Isn't there... Even though you're like, that's fucking retarded. There's a whole subreddit for that called r slash none of this is normal bye hey deuces are we actually done i mean (laughs) i didn't really have anything else to say other than yeah uh shout out to maria taylor and uh get well rachel nichols because and shout out to token mtg new store down in edgewater big fan over here if you go and check them out, you tell them that the flood sent you, you'll get a free pack with your purchase, and you might even see me there. Hey, so remember to check that out, and remember to tune in every Saturday for new episodes of The Flood. You can find me at Signature Do at, on Instagram and Signature Dot on Twitter. And you can find me literally anywhere at Ziggy Starscream. And you can find the Flood Pod at literally anywhere at the Flood Pod. I'm still surprised that we got that time. <laughs> we'll see you guys next week. Be safe. Doses. Look, it's a flood. It's a flood. It's flooding. Get away. Quick, we need to get to higher ground. Open the floodgates.